San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle, down to Cabo, out to the desert. You can get all these podcasts commercial-free on iwaymoney.com, and we're free on iTunes if you search the title of the show. And now time to introduce, introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's a best-selling author, a lecturer, a family office expert advising several high-net-worth families, all-around good guy, Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? Doing great, Joe. It's been a fun week. <laughs> still recovering from that uh, still, AFC half, right? Yeah, still recovering from the AFC <laughs> half and from the Life Lounge event Thursday night. Yeah, wasn't that great? Uh, another another winner by t- Tim Owens. Congrats to him, and it was great uh, hearing Brian Smith and all he had to say about uh, the formation of Ugg Boots and his company. So, the birth of a brand. Yes, great book. Yes, terrific, terrific. And then also, well, God, last week was kind of an inspiring show, and I went back and did a little more research. You know, we had Loan Schillinger and Marianne Christie from uh, Child Help and all, all about Operation baby lift in Vietnam and how they got all those orphans uh, to the U.S. and to foster care. Uh, back, back in uh, 1975, yeah. just before the fall of Saigon. Yeah, so there's a film called Last Days in Vietnam that I highly recommend. I know it aired on PBS uh, uh, I think uh, last April and uh, 40th, part of the 40th anniversary, uh, but I re- highly recommend that it. it's uh, available online. You can see it at one of the uh, you know pay-per-view uh, venues there, whether it's Amazon or or iTunes or whatever, but uh, highly recommend it. Was it was nominated for an Oscar? So uh, Rory so, Kennedy, right? Yep, Rory Kennedy. We've tried Kennedy. to get Rory on the show, haven't we? Yeah, we yeah we're working on it. Well, she was in the throes of uh, going to the Oscars uh, right. last time, but I've I, ha- I do have contact with their office and and they're interested. So uh, I even was hoping we'd get another screening down here, which uh, we may be able to do at some point. That would be fun. Yeah, yeah. but uh, well, I had fun this week, and I went to the Reuben H. Fleet uh, Science Center, Balboa Park, and that's relevant to tonight's show because we have as our special guest the the CEO, uh, the relatively new CEO, Dr. Steve Snyder. Steve, how are you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> what, a, what a treat this is. Well, I want to tell you, um, well, we'll get into your bio first, and then we can get into all the festivities going on uh, down at the Science Center. But uh, you've really turned that into quite a terrific, inspiring place for a lot of people, and, and uh, we'll explain why later. But you're uh, born and raised on the East Coast, right? I am indeed. I'm a transplant. Like so many of us here. I'm, all of us. Come on. Right. I'm, uh, <laughs> we're still I'm com- ready to have a guest that was don't born tell, here. Don't tell Donald <laughs> Trump we're all immigrants here. From, we all, we're just immigrated from different places in the country, but anyway. But uh, so you grew up where? Where Philly or someplace? Or no, I grew up in New York and New Jersey. New York, New Jersey. Yeah, okay. But uh, did uh, your your college work where Car- Carnegie Mellon? Yeah, right. Carnegie Mellon. I was out in Pittsburgh for a while, then mm-hmm. up in Michigan where I did my graduate work. Kansas City for a while, Philadelphia, and now mm-hmm. out here in San Diego. But master's and doctorate all in physics, right? That's right. You For are... life, I am a physicist. <laughs> Way back when. You're a change of life physicist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why, why the interest in being a physicist? Oh, because it was the thing that captured my attention. Well, I'll put it this way. Growing up, I was the kid with bifocals since three years old. You know, and uh-huh. again, this is in the 70s. So yes, at one point in time, I did have a big wad of masking tape holding <laughs> the big <laughs> frames together. So I think I was probably slated to this kind of a career. But no, I've always been fascinated by science. Always loved um, uh, figuring out how things work. And I, I knew I had to be a physicist and not an engineer. 
because as a phys- you know as a as a as a child who's going to be a physicist, I would take things apart to see I, how they work. Right? I, I've talked to so many right? people like that. They they like taking things apart. Exactly, vacuum is, cleaners or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> so you take things apart, and you know you're an engineer because an engineer takes it apart, figures <laughs> out how it works, and puts it back together and makes it better. Uh-huh. The physicist takes it apart, probably breaks three or four things in the process, <laughs> sees how it works, and then gets bored and wanders away, <laughs> and never puts it back together. <laughs> Yeah, draw, exactly. So draws yeah. up all the formulas for the, the different forces and things. Exactly. And Smash it, see what's inside, <laughs> figure out how it works, and then you wander away. So I went into nuclear physics, which is exactly what you do. You yeah. slam particles together, see right. what comes out, uh, and, and make theories about how all this works. Well, then you must know of Leo Sol- uh, Solard and Bill Lanowitz somewhat. You know those gentlemen at all? Or? I, I certainly have been familiar with those names. Yes. Yeah, so we had, we had uh, Bill on the show. He wrote the book about Solard, who, who, was the, who conceived of the nuclear reaction by standing Standing on some street corner, looking at the the lights change, and and you know I have to review that a little <laughs> bit. But how you can get go from there to the nuclear reaction, uh, you know, it's a little bit more complicated, <laughs> than that, so that's a little bit more work. But but the lights did play a role, and, and pretty lights play a role in lots of, of, of science. Absolutely, lights and sound important. So um, all right, so got your doctorate there and uh, at Michigan State, and then what happened after that? Well, I was actually lined up for the faculty position, and I caught an uh, I caught an ad. I was just looking through a, a, a journal, and someone was looking for a scientist to come down to Kansas City to help open a science museum. Hmm. I said, "Well, what the heck? Let's <laughs> give it a shot." You know, they they hired me. I don't know what they were thinking. I went down. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, and uh, you know, I figured I'd just be there for a couple of years, and I'd go back to research. And here it is, twenty some odd years later, and <laughs> there's no going back now. No going back. So they took you on as director of the museum in Kansas City? No, no, no. I was the director of science. I was, science. I was the scientist, yes. So uh, what were some of the first things that you saw uh, that needed to be done there? Well, we were building a brand new facility. We, uh, the project was actually interesting. We were, it was a um, small regional history museum that was going to build a science center in Union Station, which was, uh, it's the second largest train station in the country. Mm-hmm. It had been abandoned for about 30 years. The city had finally gotten together to you know, redo the entire space, and the science center was going to be their, their first big uh, kind of uh, uh, tenant, if you will, in that space. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was the project. I got to go in and learn all about science centers and restoring 1918 buildings and all sorts of great stuff. Did you have to research uh, anything about the uh, the local scientists uh, in Kansas City or anything like that to help? Could you find any? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, so you know, a very important thing that came out of Kansas City, a research facility there, is is where the coating for M and M's was created. Is that right? So there you go. So this is science that you see every day all over the place. The coating. That's right. Yep. C-O-A-T-I-N-G, not C-O-D-I-N-G, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. That's, that's, uh, that's biotech that was down the line from this. Uh, yeah, but that was there, and in Sprint, that's where their headquarters were. So all the, uh, you know, the, remember the first uh, fiber optic networks and all that. So a lot, huh. of goes, a lot of science went on in, in Kansas City. Huh. Well, I guess every city has, uh, you know, some notable people developing something. I mean, we had WD-40. Well, here's a hotbed of great stuff, you know, San Diego, of course, which we can get into in more detail later on. But uh, so you spent 20 years in Kansas City? uh, Oh, I spent five years in Kansas City. Five years. Five years in Kansas City, opened it up. But it seemed like 20. (laughs) Kansas City was a lovely town. No, I'm kidding. Wonderful town. I'll I'll tell you, I did did get get hooked on barbecue in Kansas City, so it's, it's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing. Uh, M&M's, do that. A barbecue. M&M's a barbecue. <laughs> That's right. So the five, takeaways. five years in Kansas City, and then uh, where did you move then on Then it was to, to uh, Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, I spent about a dozen years in Philly uh, at the Science Center there, the uh, Franklin Institute. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been there. 
and uh, redoing exhibitions and programs and theaters and all sorts of fun stuff. Huh. So it was um, most of my education and, and uh, where'd you get these ideas from as far as exhibits and things? Did you travel around or did you conceive of them or talk to people or? Any way we could, whether go it was. Go to Disneyland, yeah, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> Actually, I took, I, it was one of the things I would normally do is, is we would take every so often, take staff out to the theme parks. Really? To see what were people doing? What were people expecting Isn't when they came great? into an experience? Because... You know, that's it's not about that. That's competition, but it's, it sets expectations, right? Expectations for customer service, expectations for experience. Uh, and so it's good to know what people are experiencing elsewhere and see how can you incorporate it? How can you use those techniques for good yes, as opposed to exactly. entertainment? Well, to, to make uh, to give science sizzle and get a, and get people involved, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of thought that goes into that, and uh, I'm seeing it at at the, at the Fleet Science Center. You've done a great job in just a short while down there, but uh, we'll get into that more later. So Philly for 12 years, you say? Yeah, or? about 12 years in Philly, and then uh, and the opportunity came uh, to came up to to come out here, and I thought, well. You know, I heard you guys got some nice weather. Had you been to San Diego before? I had been. I had been here before a couple of times for a conference. Had been uh -huh. here for you know uh, some meetings occasionally. Well, really hadn't sure. really spent a, a whole lot of time in the in the city. Uh -huh. um, and so you know, I knew of San Diego, but didn't know San Diego. And I think most people don't know San Diego till you get here. So you were a little bit reluctant. Why? Just because of uprooting, going across the whole country. Well, if you're not uprooted across the country, it's certainly a big change. But uh, the opportunity was great, mm -hmm. and it was uh, you know the opportunity also to leave behind snow certainly didn't help, didn't hurt. <laughs> Eddie, um, but yeah, just the uh, you know when when Jeff, uh, my predecessor here at the fleet, retired was going to retire. This was a great opportunity. The did they gotta... find you? Did you find them, or how did that work? Out? Uh, it was you know a search firm was calling around and said, uh. "Boy, do you know anyone?" I said, "Well, <laughs> maybe I might know someone." This sounds like the Pradeep Kosla story <laughs> a little bit. So, and we have to take a little break. We'll be right back with the CEO of Fleet Science Center, Steve Snyder, right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back with more of It's Your Money Under Life, and our guest tonight is CEO of Fleet Science Center, Steve Snyder, Dr. Steve Snyder. Steve, uh, who was Reuben Fleet? I don't think enough of us know. So Reuben H. Fleet was an industrialist, a aviation pioneer. Uh, he, um, uh, well, some, a whole lot of stuff he did in his life, quite a, quite significant. of Lindbergh, I take it. So he was, uh, you know, was born in the late 1880s uh, uh -huh. and um, was born out in Washington. He spent some time here in San Diego as part of the National Guard on assignment and said, boy, you know, when I have a business, I'd love to move it here. <laughs> World War I comes up. He's involved as in procurement for the Air Force and also in aviation training. And uh, when the, the World War um, uh, wraps up and when he's, uh, you know, gets out of the, uh, the, um, the service, he goes up to Buffalo and starts uh, merging a couple of airline companies together to create, uh, not airlines, but uh, aircraft companies together to create consolidated aircraft. Hmm. And then he picks it up and moves it here in 1935. And so it was a major industry that came out here to San Diego. That became Convair, I guess, or was it? Was uh, yeah, it, it went some... through a couple of different iterations mm -hmm. then after mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. uh, after he, uh, I think in probably in the early 40s, he kind of got himself out of that business and sold his stock and then became a philanthropist and 
um, really spent the, the lived here. Here. Lived here the most of his adult life, though, I guess, after. Yeah, it's been, it's been since 1935. He was uh, out here in Point Loma. Hmm. It was where his, uh, and his fam most of his uh, family and descendants, quite a number of fleets still out here today. And I wonder if Lindbergh taken off from here in 28 might have attracted his attention, probably, <laughs> as an yeah. aviation. We were a big aviation hub. We still are in a lot of ways. But, oh, yeah, uh, there's still a lot uh, of aerospace go that goes on here. But, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Consolidated was one of the major, you know, kind of early uh, companies here that, uh, you know, obviously a great firm. Yeah. Uh, and he and his family had a great impact on San Diego over the number of years. Mm hmm um, so, you show up at uh, Fleet Science Center and take a look around and say, uh, okay, here, here's some of my vision or here's what I think we what, need what to year do. Did you get here? I got here in, I guess it was 13. Yeah, 2013. 2013, 2013. Mm -hmm. yeah, over two years ago. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know, the first things we did was, you know, I spent a lot of time just trying to get a sense of San Diego. Mm -hmm. What's San Diego like? What does it mean to be San Diegan? Uh, what, uh, how do people see the fleet, and what does the fleet need to do to be? What does it need to become next? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's 40, I arrived here in its 40th anniversary during mm. its 40th anniversary year. You know, opened as just like Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs, Richard. The Battle of the Sexes is the Battle of the Fleet Science Center. <laughs> <laughs> 1973. Yeah. Important on the planet happened. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so it opened the world's first domed uh, IMAX. Theater. That was the first giant. That was dome. the first giant the, dome theater. Giant dome. That was what eighty uh, five or what seventy three. So seventy three oh, is when it opened. Oh, the dome it. went in. Nineteen seventy three yeah. is the year. That, <laughs> I mean, I didn't know the dome went in and right at yeah, the inception. That was the first piece, and that and uh, so it was you know novel in another way too is that uh, it was supposed to initially be a planetarium. And they were going to tilt the dome. So most planetariums are flat, and you look up into the sky. Mm -hmm. The idea was to tilt the dome to put the audience in the space. In oh the my theater, gosh! Which was very novel at the time. And then it was actually uh, Ruben's son, one of Ruben's son, Preston Fleet, Sandy Fleet, who said, "You know what? You really should incorporate in this new giant screen technology, this IMAX film." Huh. And so, of course, IMAX had never projected on a dome, so they had to figure all of that out. Very innovative, and open this new theater with some exhibits with it, and that was sort of the starting point. How cool is that? And expanded wow. in the late 90s to mm -hmm. add more exhibitions on, and then uh, shortly before I came in 2009 and then 2012, the entire dome had been updated. A brand new dome, gorgeous, beautiful screen, one of the mm -hmm. most beautiful ones I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. A new digital projection system to augment what goes on with the uh, uh, film projection, mm -hmm. uh, and that's sort of now, uh, now that's now I'm coming in and saying, all right, so what's next? What's our next evolution? Where do we go now? Mm -hmm. uh, and so we'd spend a lot of time talking to visitors, who comes in, what do they do, what do they like to do? Mm -hmm. We found some surprises. Mm -hmm. It turns out that 40% of the people who, groups who come in are coming in without kids. Is that right? You know, most people think of this as a museum hopefully for kids. Not, hopefully they're but not leaving with them on there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I don't know. Some yeah. days, <laughs> you, get you know, it might not be. Who gets uh, lost? Well, uh, but so I think the, which again was surprising, I think, to a lot of people, because most people think of, for some reason, science centers are considered like, you know, for kids, because, you know, science, yeah. it's for kids. Uh, no, it's not. It's for everyone, and yeah. everyone gets engaged by it. So we had this great audience. What percentage um, of uh, out-of-towner versus local uh, come? Depends on the time of year. Mm -hmm. So certainly in the summer, we have a higher percentage, and we have um, a little more, yeah, more tourists, probably about mm, somewhere around 50 to 60 percent tourists, mm -hmm. and it flips the other way when it's, uh, when, you know, it's uh, kind of during the school year. But, but when you arrived, hadn't, hadn't the center sort of been experiencing a, a decline in attendance? It certainly had seen it, I think, just as everybody did, if you look at the mm -hmm. attendance once you kind of hit 
2007, to 2008, yeah. bang, this big change. Yeah. Uh, and the question is, you know, how do you recover? Where yeah. do you go from there? And certainly in that time, things have changed. Mm -hmm. In particular, uh, you know, right now you can see, when you can have a 4K TV mm -hmm. that shows that kind of definition and the scale of the screens that you can do and the kind of media you're, uh, that's available that wasn't available before, well, it changes how people view and use the Science Center. Yeah. But, but I mean, the, the subject of science, things change so quickly. Don't you have to constantly be on top of new things, updating? Oh, absolutely. That's certainly something that happens. Uh, you know, science is an evolving piece. We're always learning more. Well, you had a big genome exhibit, didn't yeah. you, which uh, couldn't have done that 10, 15 years ago. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right. So we had, we had this, uh, yeah, about a year ago, the genome exhibition mm -hmm. uh, out of the Smithsonian Institution, which was uh, built for the anniversary of the you know, celebration of the decoding of the first of the human genome. Um, so lots of great discoveries that come in. So being able to bring traveling exhibits in allows us to bring new content. There's lots of programming you can do for new content. But really what we're looking at doing now is, well, how do we think about what the exhibit experience needs to be, not just today, but 10 years from now? Mm -hmm. ah. What does it need to be? What is it like? What's mm -hmm. the kind of things? What kind of space do we want to be inside the building? Uh, and what we come up with when we talk to people is that our great opportunity is to be a place of inspiration. Mm. How do we inspire people? Because you know what? Content, you got. You mm -hmm. got on your phones. You got all of access to content is, is sure. easy. It's commoditized now. Mm -hmm. What you really want is that experience that gets someone excited, yeah. that gives the view into a new world, that gives the possibilities. And so we are going to redo all our exhibit galleries uh, around larger themes like science of the impossible. Which, did, yeah. Where did you find this Jason Landmer? I went over there so, this weekend. <laughs> what a great kid this guy. He, he's a physicist also who happened to be a, a magician or an illusionist. He's an and illusionist, he, he was right? He was yeah, telling me yeah. the story, uh, science. And I, I said, how'd you get into magic? He said, science. And, I, and then he explained it to me, you know, how he saw these parents took him to a magic show as a kid. And then he, I guess he's trying to figure out how things are done and using science to explain things. But... Uh, but where'd you find him? He's terrific. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was actually a cold call. We got a call from uh, I think uh, I don't know if it was his agent or his manager said, you know what, um, uh, you know I, I, my client he's an illusionist. He does you know stuff shows all over the place and and he's been doing some stuff with science and he's really interested in maybe talking to a science center about what could be done there. And we kind of got your name, so I recommended you. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we had a conversation with him. He kind of explained what he wanted to do. That it was using these illusions to inspire curiosity, getting people to ask the questions how and let why. them figure it out yes right? and which we love that's yeah. that's the kind of thing that we're there for. perfect it's fit exact perfect fit so we developed the show um initially we was looking for a you know a theater space and we took him into the dome and we said you know if you want a theater space that's fine but look at this um, <laughs> and with our digital projection system we can use the screen in ways that's uh, kind of you know it's sort of a live um illusion magic science multimedia show all wrapped up into one. And yeah. so he ran that all uh, the first summer. We mm -hmm. worked with him in through uh, January, uh, last January, which we, at the same time, had an exhibit called Illusion. Yeah. So it fit perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, he came back this summer, so he's wrapping up shows this weekend and next with his yeah. last shows before he takes off again. Yeah, Labor Day weekend is his last His last hurrah. Well, last and, um, six, I guess, last six shows. Yeah. And, uh, and we've been developing some other ideas, like uh, we did just uh, this past weekend, Science of the Impossible, the Impossible Science Festival. Mm -hmm. Which I went to that, too. <laughs> Good. So, Joe, did you do anything that was impossible? Well, um, 
I tried to figure out some of these. Actually, where'd you get all these great student volunteers? Because uh, uh, Jason had set up all these kids, uh, students, with uh, different uh, exhibits, uh, trying to explain the way light ref light bends <laughs> or light ref refracts and uh, all the phenomena that occur uh, with all these things. And uh, where'd you find these kids? Well, we have a volunteer program that really goes out and recruits people, people who are interested and excited about explaining science. You know. I, like I say, was a physicist. That's what I was trained to do, but I found I like sharing the experience of science yeah. more. And so that's where we find people who are interested in doing that. And so, and in San Diego, we have scientists galore. Yeah. We have such a wealth of these folks. Well, I, that's what impressed me, the number of kids and parents. I mean, a lot of energy in there and, and a huge number. This was just Sunday, so I guess it was just Saturday and Sunday. It was uh, the Impossible Science Festival, Impossible right? Impossible Science Festival, right. And Jason Latimer got up there, and, hey, if you got you got to see his show, folks. I think you'll, it's uh, Saturdays and Sundays, except Labor Day. It'll be three days, and then it'll be done for a while. But anyway, we'll be right back with Dr. Steve Snyder from Fleet Science Center right after this. Hang on. We're back with the second half of It's Your Monday and Your Life, the award-winning show. And now Richard will thank our sponsors. Yes, before we learn how to walk on water or <laughs> levitate, I'm going to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to UBS, Michael Caranta, Drew Friedis. Could not do it without you. Our favorite CPAs on the planet. Two of them, Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, the best CFO firm here on the West Coast. More traditional CPAs, Polito Epic CPAs, Don Epic and Paul Polito, up in San Marcos, California. Berkeley Research Group, Mr. Carl Scheeler, best business valuation firm on this planet, helping business owners reduce the risks that drive the values of the businesses, thus increasing value. Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. With all this money you're going to make with Carl and Joel, how about Brenda Geiger, Geiger Law Office, helping families with estate planning and asset protection planning. California Republic Bank, Lane Elliott, a very nice bank that specializes in working with wealthy families who own a lot of real estate and closely held businesses, offices in Orange County, as well as here in UTC, California Republic Bank. Hub International, also known as Mars Maddox Insurance. Neil Staley is going to be a guest next month and by far and away the best employee benefits firm. A very hot topic now, given the Supreme Court's recent vote a couple months ago on health care reform. The LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, turning wealth advisors or helping wealth advisors make CPAs heroes to the CPA's very best clients. Paul Hines, who was on the show last week, uh, joining in with Child Help. Paul heads up nfinancialabuse.org. Paul's also the CEO of Hearthstone Wealth Management. And last but not least, yes, we're bringing women's professional tennis back to San Diego. Thanksgiving week this year at Park Hyatt Aviara, the Carlsbad Classic. Check out CLD Classic. Dot com. And a big thank you to Courtney Lover, Popix Graphics, for doing an amazing job on our website where our listeners can find out all kinds of really cool things. Right, Joe? Absolutely. Well, all I have to do is get their cursor over, uh, go, go to iymoney.com, get their cursor on the sponsor tab. There's a drop-down menu, and they can click on any one or all of them and find out their personal information, their contact information. And I know they've all been working with you for several years with great success, right, Richard? Uh, not years, decades. <laughs> Dr. Snyder, can you show us how to turn back the hands of time? <laughs> if only. Okay. If only. Well, that'll be Jason's next exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking right. of his exhibits, Richard was curious. 
I know there was one about walking on water, walking on water. and levitation. So yeah. uh, can you tell, give us a little bit of a clue about those without uh, without giving away the secrets? Oh yeah, no, this is this is stuff we can certainly give away the secrets okay. to. So uh, one of the things we did during the the festival was uh, a walk on water, opportunity uh-huh. to walk on water. What we do is created a pool about eight feet long, three feet wide, about a foot and a half to two feet deep. Yeah, you will um, sink if you uh, yeah, stop. it's so. it's uh, <laughs> it, it filled it with what we refer to as ublick, and what ublick is is it's cornstarch and water mixed together. You should dye right. it green for Dr. <laughs> That's Seuss. Right. So you've got this big pool of glop. And the thing about this uh, cornstarch and water is it creates what's called a non-Newtonian fluid, or that's some ways to refer to it that mm-hmm. way. And what that means is that uh, if you are doing something slow and gentle to it, it acts just like a fluid. So if you just put your hand in it, you can put your hand in it, and you get your hand completely coated by this stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you try to pull your hand out quickly, try to move fast, it actually seizes up and acts mm-hmm. like a solid. Mm-hmm. So that means you can scoop some of this stuff up, and if you scoop it nice and fast, you can get a chunk of it. But as soon as you stop moving that chunk, it just oozes through your hands as if it was a liquid, mm. which is fun to play with. But the cool thing that means is that if you've got a big pool of it, if you walk across it, you will sink. And not only will you sink, but it'll grab on and not want to let you out. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go fast, you can walk right over the top of this, never actually get wet at all. Mm-hmm. And so what we had was people being able to kind of run right across this. Some great video and some footage of, uh, of us uh, actually running on top. You run in place. You can run right on top of this liquid, never break the surface. As soon as you stop, though... <laughs> You suck right Maybe I should do a 5K course at my yeah. <laughs> That's right. That'll attract some attention. That's right. Has that had any commercial application or any of, or, or is it uh, just? Well, you know, I remember a few years ago, a few, quite a number of years ago, uh, talking to some some engineers at Ford. They were talking about this, a similar kind of material, but it, uh, it reacts that way between a liquid and a solid with uh, electrical current. Hmm. So they were thinking maybe that's a way to use uh, for like brake pads. So it can hmm. be a fluid and then a solid. And huh. so there's different applications of these kind of, of fluids and substances that can act between a liquid and suddenly act like a solid. Uh, and they're still experimenting with it, but it's a lot of fun to play with, and it's just cornstarch and water. No secret there. Um, it's just some physics uh, and a lot of fun. Kids and uh, having their mother fill up their their little wading pool with cornstarch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, how about the levitation part? I didn't catch that exhibit. Uh, what's that all about? Oh, levitation. Well, there's a bunch of different ways to think about levitation. From you know, uh, we think about any of the quadcopters. In many ways, that's what it is. That's levitation. Um, there's certainly a lot of magnetic levitation. Uh, mm. which you can do mag- maglev uh, now, sort of like the trains they have in, in China and Japan, uh, the maglev trains. There's mm-hmm. uh, superconductors that you can play with that exclude magnetic fields, and so they will float uh, in midair, mm-hmm. not seemingly actually do, or suspended in air. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of great science about this. And so what we've been talking with Jason about is that one of our first new exhibitions will be an exhibit called Science of the Impossible, where we'll look at each of these things, like the idea of invisibility. You come into that section, you watch yourself or your friend become invisible in front of your eyes. Well, my kids want money. That's a very attractive <laughs> Exactly. Option. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> but, of course, it's just a trick. But then we'd surround that by, well, what are scientists doing to try and figure out how this could happen? How could it be? How does the eye work and how do optics work? And can we use lenses to make something invisible? Well, that's what that little can we use technologies in a way to make yeah. something uh, invisible? Well, that little gel, they put, if you put um, a piece of Pyrex inside um, oil. Corn oil, yes. Corn oil, it disappears because the way the, the light refracts, it disappears through another piece of glass. So it's, it's a, Yeah, it's, it's, a it's a really cool, cool thing where, uh, you know, usually if you've got Pyrex, it has a different called density of refraction than the air, which means the light bounces off differently as mm-hmm. it goes between the air and the Pyrex. But Pyrex and corn oil have the same index of refraction. So the light doesn't even notice it. 
And if the light doesn't notice it, your eyes will never get an indication that it's there. So you drip it in the corn oil, and it's gone. It, there's nothing there. <laughs> You're looking at nothing. And it's certainly you pull it out, and there it is. It's uh, true. pretty amazing. Well, it's I'm going true. to Vons to buy some corn oil. <laughs> <laughs> you put it on your kids, right? Yeah, exactly. You want to disappear when they're getting on your nerves. But um, anyway, now this Jason won a bunch of uh, Magician of the Year. Uh, uh, World Champion of Magic. Yes. In, World in, Champion in of Magic. UK, yeah. right? For uh, well, he is actually he, was, he did a number of TV shows in the UK, um, and then he was the World Champion of Magic. There's an international uh, competition. That uh, he was the winner of, and uh, he's actually he also on Sci-Fi, the yeah, Sci-Fi Network. Yeah, I think he won program. like 17 years in a row, and he only looks about 20. So I don't know what. That <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I don't know. When you know, he comes up with some great, great effects, and so that's yeah. the idea. How do we take those effects, use them with science, and really build a new kind of exhibition yeah. that would be inspiring about the power of science to make something that seems impossible actually we, possible? We show us how to bend light in uh, in his show at the at the IMAX, right? How that's right. Light? He he bends light. He, he takes a laser and then takes his hand and actually bends the light right in front of your eyes. It's uh, <laughs> some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Outstanding. Well, I'm, I'm going to try and get over there, I guess, this weekend. I know he only has a few shows left, so folks, uh, I guess Labor Day weekend will be it if you wanted to see Jason Latimer do his thing. Now, uh, I also happened to catch the IMAX uh, Journey into Space, and that was about a what a, what a great thing. I, I mean, a lot on Cape Canaveral and uh, Cape Kennedy and, and all that in the, in the space shuttle. But they start talking about this trip to Mars that we're planning in 2030. That's right. And uh, it's six months to get there. Six months to get... I think it's a three-year mission. And uh, It's like driving to L.A. And yeah. <laughs> Less stressful, though. Yeah, that's true. But it's a three-year mission, and I, I don't... I mean, my hat's off to those people. I just wouldn't have the guts to, to, to take that kind of a of a trip but um but it's a great footage though uh, up in the um, international space station and and things like that so um you folks should get over to see that and i, and I, I guess i will try to see the one about the oceans next uh, uh secret ocean yeah, yeah. michelle Cousteau's how, secret of, ocean. how often do those shows change every uh, we do uh, anywhere from three to four new ones a year um, hmm. kind of space them out so our, our next one will come up in uh, i think november it'll be on jerusalem Mm. Some really amazing footage of the old city um, that she, you know, with a no-fly zone you could never get before, but they managed to get for that, which would mm. be a great one. And then uh, there's one coming out about the national parks, mm. the national parks' 100th anniversary. Do you, do you ever do reprise some old? I remember seeing Kronos there, uh, uh, sure, years ago, and maybe had can have a special anniversary edition of that. And there was one that I guess it started in a little a cell, and then it takes you right up through space, and it was just it blows your mind. I forget the name of that one, but. <laughs> yeah, there's a, we actually have a whole library of those uh, of those old films, and we do. We kind of bring them out and rotate them through um, from time to time, just to back in to the bring day. Them to the now that you yeah. reminded me, there's a, there was one about Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of a hazy, hazy atmosphere in there. I, I, Laser show, I believe you may be speaking about. Yeah, I didn't go to that, but man, I, you know, I, I'm open to it. So. Well, maybe you did, and you just don't remember anymore. Joe, <laughs> Joe, if you remember the 1970s, you weren't there, okay? Hey, let's give it to rhfleet.org, folks. rhfleet.org. We'll be right back with Dr. Steve Snyder right after this. We're back in the home stretch with Dr. Steve Snyder, CEO of the Fleet Science Center, doing great things over there, great exhibits. And uh, let's see, what do we want to highlight this last segment here, Steve? Well, you know, one of the other things we're really focused on doing now is that um, we recognize that if we're really trying to engage as many people in San Diego in science, given mm -hmm. that science and technology are such a part of our economy, be so important to us in figuring out some of the challenges we're facing. I, and frankly, it's also just cool. Mm -hmm. But if we're really going to engage everybody, we can't simply be in the park. It's not enough. 
mm -hmm. anymore. And so we really have a large program now to go out and really become part of the neighborhoods and communities all across the county. Outreach, huh? Yeah, so it's mm -hmm. less than, it's, and it's not about, about outreach. Our intent really is to, in a sense, move in mm -hmm. to these other neighborhoods, not just come and visit, but we want to be a part mm -hmm. of it. And so we're, we're about to, to launch a rather large campaign called 52 Weeks of Science. Huh. And we're working in neighborhoods to work with the organizations that are already there and the other um, science and technology education organizations around the county to make it so that every single week in a neighborhood, there would be a publicly accessible science event, always. Like what? This sounds cool. So this could be anything <laughs> from, uh, you know, one of our Don't Try This at Home shows to <laughs> a, uh, a lecture from a, um, uh, a writer or to have some researchers. Or we do this two scientists walk into a bar program. Yeah. That's scientists the name, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. That, that may be going on in science, science. So it's programs we provide, programs other organizations provide, just to highlight all the science that goes on all over San Diego. And our first one will actually start in Barrio Logan. Uh, in October will be the official launch. Mm -hmm. But we will have constant programming for at least the period, at least a year, every single week in Barrio Logan, for Barrio Logan, by those organizations that are there as a way of really kind of highlighting all the great science that goes on in that neighborhood. And then we'll be extending that to other neighborhoods around the county as well. How cool is that? So, so do you find working in Balboa Park to be collaborative, given that there's other museums, other charities surrounding you? I mean, is, was that a different experience than when you were, say, at a standalone museum? Well, I'll tell you, in, you know, Philadelphia was a great town. It is a great, still is a great town. Uh, and a lot of great museums there, but um, there was nowhere near the level of collaboration mm. you see in the park. And it's really been fantastic. Um, mm. You know, from the time I got there to, to meet everybody and, uh, you know, this uh, Balboa Park Cultural Partnership, which is the uh, mm. organization that really kind of represents all the uh, cultural organizations, um, a big chunk of cultural organizations that work in the park. Mm -hmm. um, we are looking at doing lots of great things. Uh, in fact, with a, f uh, a big piece that's coming up, you know, everyone's probably saw the Explorer Pass was sort of a collaborative project. Mm -hmm. So you can buy this pass that gets you into all the museums. Um, the other one is we're going to have uh, a Maker Fair. So Maker Fair is coming to the park October 3rd and 4th, which is a huge, huge, if you don't know what a Maker Fair is, Trust me, just come. <laughs> it's it's incredibly cool. It's it's what it's an opportunity to pull up everybody who makes anything right. you know, that does anything really cool and creative to come out and show what they do. We're going to do that across the park, inside the museums, not just an event that happens outside and the museums are backdrop. Earth Day for creatives. Yeah, and and exactly for mm -hmm. creation and and the idea of also bringing that into the museums. How so not cool. just walking around outside, but we'll have great stuff outside, but then go into the museums. And you'll be able to experience some great pieces. And that's a huge collaborative effort. You know, oh, we've got is, 10 museums uh, in the park and the organizations and the makers in the commu maker community and Makers Guild and Fab Lab, all these groups coming together to create great. this really incredible event. That's great. Uh, also, I found out on the first Wednesday of every month, you do a great astronomy program. Can you tell us about that? That's right. Sky tonight. So uh, the first Wednesday of every month coming up, uh, I guess we'll be yeah, coming up next week. Wow. I don't know how September rolled around so quick, but um, we, we, uh, you come in and we have our astronomer, Lisa Will, uh, does a live presentation in the dome using our digital projection system on a particular topic. And there's different topics every month. And the astronomy club sets out uh, telescopes right outside. Mm -hmm. So you get to come in, see this great planetarium show with a lecture from our, our uh, astronomer, live astronomer, and then go out and actually see this stuff with their own eyes. Now in the dome, do they hook up the uh, a, a digital telescope to the, to the inside of the dome so you can see what the sky looks like that particular night? Or No, 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 no. we don't do that because you can walk outside oh, okay. and see it. I do mean, you know, it's, okay. it's one thing to look at a video. It's another thing to put your eye up to the, to, to the eyepiece of a telescope and see Saturn's rings, yeah. you know? And uh, the outside program's entirely free. If you want to come in, there's a little, there's a fee for that. Yeah. But if you want to hear the uh, the lecture and the astronomer, but that that was very cool. That's something that I, I didn't know that you folks did. So that, that's a. Uh
a nice a nice attraction to have. Um, let's see. So after Jason moves on, are you gonna? What do you think? Uh, what's gonna happen after that? So we've got a couple of uh, new programs coming up, um, both the 52 Weeks of Science, which will launch the Maker Fair, but then we have an exhibit called Imaginate. So we're running an exhibit mm. called Circus right now, Science of the Big Top. That That's week, cool. Which is a lot of fun. If you want to walk the high wire or be a trapeze artist, you can come in and, and give it a try. Uh, I did. Do you I have did. to sign you, a you're in safety, release? You're in safety harnesses. Uh, so. No, you're in safety harnesses. You okay. have to sign a release. But, yeah. you know, okay. Um, I, you know, I did it. I don't know that I did it well. <laughs> and I'm sure there's some really embarrassing pictures that'll be used against me at some point in time. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, then we'll have this Imaginate exhibit, which is about innovation, pathways to innovation. So uh -huh. you come in, and it's about uh, it's about all those things you have to do to innovate, including things like failure, yeah, repetitive failure before you innovate, collaborative work, and it's a lot of great interactives that let you build and create and design and try new things to be innovative. Um, that'll open uh, October third, uh, October third, which will run through the um, uh, through the the fall, and then in the spring we have an unnamed exhibit, mm. and it's unnamed because we don't know what to call it yet. Mm. Uh, but all describe the way I'll describe it is it's um, it's entirely out of packing tape. Wow! Mm. It's an entire exhibit. It'll probably be around four to five thousand square feet, completely designed and made out of clear packing tape. So and it it's pretty incredible. You mean that's going to be that's going to be the the pieces all one big piece is made out of packing tape? Or it's, it's, it's an exhibit you will crawl into and through. Wow! That's made out of packing tape. Wow! The three M people must love that. <laughs> 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 you get your sponsorship right there. That's right, yeah. Um, so it's going to be a pretty cool exhibition uh, that we'll be doing there. And then the next summer, we're, we're looking at some uh, other new um, new programming and some new exhibits and new films and new, new, new all the time. That's great. Now, are you tapping into the science uh, community in San Diego for how, I mean, you have Illumina here and all these other great companies here. Um, well, that's, you know, we, we started with, uh, again, the two scientists walk into a bar. Uh, you know, we first time we did this, right, the basic idea is two scientists, they show up in a bar. They stand by a sign that says, we're scientists, ask us anything. That's hmm. it. There's no lecture. There's no overheads, nothing. And they you stand mean, there. You mean they actually did walk into a bar and do they, this? Yes, they oh. walk into a bar, and they stand there. <laughs> with, so I'm serious. This with, is the, with a sign? This is true. With a sign. Yeah, I looked it up. Oh, yeah, okay. it's a sign, and, yeah. just, and that's all the sign is. So they sit there so for the first. So what were some of the bars they went into? Oh, all over. So really? we do is. Oh, they we, don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how good the program was, right? Uh, we do 50 scientists in 25 bars on one night. So there's all over the county, oh and it's, uh, you know, we go all over the place. And uh, for the first 20 minutes or so, people kind of look at them weird, and then someone comes and asks them a question, and that opens the floodgates. And they'll spend oh the next two God. hours just talking about any question you have in science. This is a great opportunity. So we thought, well, let's give it a try. Maybe we can do 25 bars. Let's see if we can find 50 scientists. We've got a, a list right now of <laughs> over 170 people <laughs> signed <laughs> up to come out and do this. Um, so, and, th and then that group now is doing pieces, uh, we have a... Did uh, they record any of this? Because, gosh, you could have probably recorded some of this <laughs> and taken the highlights. We, I mean, obviously, oh, you, know? you had to edit it, obviously. But. Well, but yeah, this is, again, it's supposed to be a real casual conversation, which is what it's about. And we yeah. have a, a Suds and Science, which is a program where we take a speaker into a restaurant, and mm -hmm. they have an area where everyone signs up and they go, and they show up at, and they give about a 15-minute talk. Again, mm -hmm. no slides, real low tech, real, not, you know, no jargon, and they spend the next hour and a half talking about something that matters, whether it's Ebola or what's happening to the bees or any of these issues that are hmm. prominent. And that's, cool. scientists have been volunteering for that. We have a, a, our, our evening program, our adults-only evening program, which is about once a quarter. Uh, one's coming up in October. Mm -hmm. um, that's uh, a fleet night of science, and mm -hmm. scientists come out for that. They want to, they the scientists in San Diego, which is, which is wonderful, want to talk to people mm. about what gets them excited, why they do what they do, 
uh, and we want to be able to give them a venue to do that, whether it's at the fleet, whether it's in a bar, whether it's in a restaurant, a library, wherever they want to be, wherever there's someone who's interested Isn't in listening. Isn't there a union of constru- uh, uh, an organization called the Union of Concerned Scientists? And uh, how, how many are here, do you think? Do we have a oh. chapter? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Uh, that one, But yeah, that's a group that spe- has but a specific th- But this uh, would take focus. in biologists, uh, all uh, physicists, all Biologists, right? physicists, engineers, techies, anybody who wow. really has a, a, a career in science and technology wow. and engineering. Get them out there and talk to people. Yeah. Steve, it's been a real honor and pleasure. Dr. Steve Snyder, CEO of the Fleet Science Center. Thanks for being our guest. RHfleet.org. Richard, great seeing you this As week. As always. And Justin Hart, thanks for making us sound terrific on the, on the board. Thanks to Craig Blanke, our con executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius. Next week, it's the famous San Diego Chicken will be with us. So uh, you have a great week. <clears throat> Excuse me. And all these podcasts are commercial-free on iowamoney.com. Good night now. Bye-bye.